It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.06 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, and I'm broadcasting live this morning from the 39th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show Cobb Galleria. We're here amongst the 300 and some odd exhibitors. The booths right now are empty, of course, because the exhibitors are taking a break after a packed day yesterday. Wow, was there a crowd here yesterday. And so we'll be here this morning until 9 o'clock for the Lawn and Garden Show. You can get in. If you want to see the home show for free, you get a free ticket to get in the home show simply by showing up between now and 9 o'clock, 9 a.m., come to the front door of the Cobb Galleria and saying the password, which is reliable because we're broadcasting from the reliable heating and air stage, which is where yesterday I spoke about the, <laughs> the ins and outs and the tips and techniques of managing nuisance wildlife. And wow, it was like a fire hose. I said, people, I've got 100, 162 slides, I think it was, of different creatures and different ways of managing those creatures. And we're just going to have to go, 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 go. And I went up to the very last moment of my allotted time here and had standing room only as a crowd listening to me talk about deer and squirrels and and uh, moles and voles and snakes and all the th creatures that sometimes can make you miserable, at least uncomfortable or mad because they stole your tomatoes or various things like that. Talked about how to feed birds correctly so the bird food does not attract animals to your landscape. So I had a great time yesterday. And today, the 39th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria will again. will be here until 9. Dave Baker will be here after me. Belinda Skelton will be here after that. And if you need anything for your home, if you need anything indoor or outdoor, we got the gutter people are down the way here. we got the uh, Superside folks over here with the big bags of soil. Reliable Heating and Air, of course, is happy to tell you all about their plumbing and electrical and HVAC needs. They'll be here as well during the, during the show. So it'll be a bunch of fun. And if you have a question about gardening and how you can be a little bit more successful and get your sort of act together in your landscape, get you more flowers, get a few less weeds, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Dial those digits and you will get in and we will talk and we will t converse about what's going on with your landscape, with your grass or your flowers or your shrubs or your trees or your lawn or your houseplants or your creatures that are bothering you or your insects and we will come to some sort of conclusion hopefully <laughs> some sort of conclusion I had a this has been a week that I back in the I guess in the winter times when I made all these dates and I thought to myself oh I have to do that well I have to do the home show of course and I would love to speak at the home show on Friday that'll be good put that in my calendar and then the People over at Cuscawilla, big, nice golf community over in uh, Lake Oconee, out east of Atlanta. And they said, well, could you come and talk to us about our vegetable gardens over here? And I thought, well, yeah, I would like to talk about vegetable gardens and gardening in general. So I went over to, to Lake Oconee on Wednesday. 
then on uh, let's say Thursday where was I Thursday my heavens I've already forgotten various places that I was going to I know this afternoon I'll be at uh, Autumn Hill Nursery 11 o'clock this morning I'll be at Autumn Hill Nursery up in Woodside they're celebrating their 25th anniversary oh I don't know Thursday I was at the Callaway Gardens that's where I was went to Callaway Gardens spoke to their gardening school there had a good good group of people about a 75 80 maybe people there who are all interested very interested to learn more about gardening and how to do it right and talked to her a while there Jenny Hernandez who's from Flintwood Farms down in Fayette County big grower of annual flowers she did such a good job wow I was so so intrigued by the information Jenny Hernandez put out for the garden school folks and that was all about the annuals the annual color that her greenhouse uh, group grows there in Fayette County and which of them work well which of them don't work well what are the new varieties that work great in landscapes man I wish I could just take and bottle everything that she said about the various flowers and things they grow starting with A and going down to Yarrow I think it was that we had the very last or maybe zinnias maybe that we had the very last uh, plant that she talked about. That was great at Callaway Gardens at the Garden School. Today, of course, again, I go into Autumn Hill Nursery this morning at 11 o'clock after I get through here at the 39th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. Because I usually don't have a lot of time to talk to Nicole, I want to go to Nicole first. Nicole, my friend down in Griffin, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Oops, look at the little button here. Another one more time. Button. 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 There she is. Hey, Nicole. Miss Arise. Sometimes I can't push your button, Nicole, and it uh, took me a minute to get that worked out here. How are you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Uh, on Monday afternoon, sometime I go to the uh, on the uh, UGA campus to see uh, their trial, and uh, <laughs> I stop by and I walk, and I saw this weed. And uh, I know this weed, it's, if you have a feel, um, uh, feel, you know, a drain feel in the back of yeah. your house, the weed... Yeah, sure. It is green all year round, and in summertime, they get this stock with full of seed on top. Okay. And it's because I think it's green. You know, I couldn't talk to the, the people there, but next time I need more information. I think they mix it with some kind of other grass <laughs> to make this thing. I think this is going to be great because... You can even take a shovel and dig it up. Even the lawnmower don't want to see it. Wait, well, you got to tell us what it is. You've got to find out what it is, Nicole. Give us a break. You can't just say it's great and then say, I don't know what it is. Well, I, I know what it is because I, I have some in, my, in the back of my house, but I want to know with what kind of other grain they, they can mix it because this weed go up. It don't spread out really good. It yeah. takes a long time to spread, you know. Uh, lengthwise or roundwise. Uh -huh. So um, I was just, uh, I was just real. I said, "Could grieve," you know, especially. What, what weed is it? You haven't told me what weed it is. Then. Uh, I don't know. Don't go, to go, to go. I'll tell you the weed that I was thinking of simply because the guy sent me a picture of a seedling yesterday. It's called burnweed, and burnweed starts as, it's not evergreen, as you might have described yours, but it has little seedlings that are sprouting right now. It's about six inches in diameter. But like you said, at the top is a little cluster of buds that will open up into bright, uh, I believe they're yellow or white. I've forgotten now what burnweed has, but it's the white or the yellow. But nonetheless, they're small, daisy-like flowers at the top of a stalk about four feet high. And then it turns into seeds that look somewhat like 
dandelion seeds, and they do spread pretty much around. So I'm not sure if your weed is burnweed. That's one I know is out now. Well, I don't think it is because they only have seeds in the really hot, like July and August. Oh, okay. And uh, probably because of the pH, it grow easily where the drain field is. Sure. But uh, I want to know more information. This is going to be good because it's green all year round, and it's yeah. tough. I mean, you can even take a shovel and dig it up. Yeah, Lamo don't want to get, have a hard time to cut it. But by mixing with other grass, you know, how long does it take to trial like this? Probably years, isn't it? Well, several years. The Clint Waltz, who's the grass, the turf grass expert down in Griffin, has um, a plot there that I know has been going on since Gil Landry was there, which is 20 years ago. So the experimentation is pretty much ongoing at the Griffin campus of the University of Georgia where they're constantly planting and replanting and trying to find which plants do well in Georgia, how to culture them, what insects get on them. I know they had a big study on lace bugs. Chris Brayman did several years ago about lace bugs on azaleas. So, yeah, it's sort of an ongoing thing. That's what the value of having the University of Georgia and having outlying campuses in Tifton and, and Griffin and up in North Georgia. Uh, they're always researching, always looking for things that benefit the citizens of our state. The name of the game is to reproduce the environment, yeah. not bring in some stuff from up north that may be good for a year, but after that, after the second year, don't come back because you have too much hard time. One of the things that I was interested in just walked past a minute ago at the home show, Nicole, is the Southern Living, Southern Living Plant people are here. And Southern Living, of course, the magazine, has a big selection of tough Southern adapted plants. And that is what they were displaying at their uh, booth here. They've got lots and lots of shrubs and uh, trees and, and perennials and flowers that they have there. And these Southern Living plants have been tested and trialed and named, and you know they're going to do what they're supposed to do in our environment. Yeah, it's to uh, reproduce uh, the environment, and uh, I lost my line of thought. But anyway, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, your homework, Nicole, your homework is either call somebody at the university uh, office there in Griffin, or if you have somebody take a picture and send it to my name that plant part of my own website, we'll identify the plant, find out what it is, and next Saturday we can talk further about it once we know what it is. What's his name, this man, on, uh, in Griffin? Uh, Clint Waltz is the turf grass oh, guy, but I'm not sure that he would be able to identify it as well as just uh, Wade Hutchison there in the extension office. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, send it to Wade. See, you know Wade. Very, very, you've known him for a long time. Uh, and see what he says, and we'll talk about it next Saturday morning. Enjoy your day. All right, we'll see you soon, Nicole. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 59 degrees out right now. A little bit of rain coming in later this afternoon, perhaps tomorrow as well. Mid-70s during the day, both days in the mid-50s overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. But something that did not come up this year, Gwen in Covington says, were her daffodils. Let's find out what's going on with daffodils. Hey, Duke, Gwen. Good morning. Gwen, turn off that radio and listen to me. 
Gwen. Yes, good morning. You know, you Ashley told you not to listen to me on your radio, but to listen to me on the phone. Why were you listening to me on the radio? I know. I want to make sure I didn't lose my place in line, but I've turned well, my You're never going to lose your place in line. It's always, you just saw the, the what happens. We have a seven or eight second delay between what goes out on the radio and what happens on the air. And so... That took you seven or eight seconds to find where I was and talk to me on the phone. What is your problem with your daffodils, Gwen? Yes, good morning, Walter. Good morning. Um, about three years ago, I planted a um, hundred daffodils and fifty tulip bulbs. Okay. The year later, I had wonderful, wonderful production. But the next year, I had just a handful, and this year, I had only the green, the stems with no flowers. I don't know both, what I did wrong. On both of them, or just the tulips, or just the daffodils, or what? Um, with the daffodils, I had just a few, but with the tulips, I had only greenery with no flowers. Yeah. That's normal behavior for tulips, because what happens when you plant a tulip bulb in the fall, as you did, it comes up in the spring, blooms pretty, everybody's happy, and yeah. then over the summer, that big bulb that you planted will die away, and it'll make little bitty bulbs to the sides. And those little bitty bulbs, given the right conditions, will grow into a big bulb or two maybe that'll flower the next spring. The problem is we don't have the right conditions after the big bulb has faded away to make the small bulbs become bloomable big bulbs because we don't have the dry, warm, but not too hot summers that they do over in Holland. So if you have tulips, sometimes there'll be leaves and foliage for two or three years and they'll pretty much peter out and not have anything. It's only one year that you really can reliably say you'll have tulip flowers. And then as the daffodils, I think sometimes for them it takes a year for them to establish themselves. And frankly, if I were you, Gwen, I would leave them alone. If they've got pretty much full sun, leave them alone right now, but leave them alone until the uh, foliage turns yellow in the spring and then plant other things around them. But I really don't think as much you can do about the daffodils but I would not expect anything to happen from the tulips. It is 627 and one half at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.36 and we're broadcasting live this morning from the 39th annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. Folks have already started arriving knowing that if they get here between now and 9 o'clock and know the password, which is reliable, I'll share with all of you, the password is reliable, then you get into the home show and broadcast for free this morning. And then when the gates open at 10 o'clock, you get to walk in right here from our audience area into the home show and select what you need for your home and for your outdoors and for everything else. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. First in line, David in Tucker, Georgia joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Why is this button not working? I am not getting a good connection here. There, David, there he is. Hey, David, good morning. Hi, uh, good morning. Hey, good morning. quick questions for you. Sir. Uh, do you treat uh, red honeysuckle any different than the yellow and white honeysuckle? Ooh. Now, when, you, when you're referring to the yellow and white, I'm assuming you mean the Japanese honeysuckle that's sort of invasive? 
Is that what you're referring to? Right. Well, the Japanese honeysuckle, you pull it up and get rid of it, and the red honeysuckle, red, pink, and there's sometimes some pinkish-yellow forms, too, you culture those, and you say, man, I am a lucky-ducky to have this coral honeysuckle in my landscape because they are so, the vine of coral honeysuckle is so pretty, and it is tough. I mean, to tell you, David, that is some a tough vine. I have had my neighbor, Kim, has had it on his mailbox now for easily six years maybe eight years i guess and if mr kim can't kill that honeysuckle you can't kill that honeysuckle so it's a tough plant great plant this is coral honeysuckle for listeners who are listening in wondering what we're talking about coral honeysuckle vine beautiful beautiful vine and the japanese honeysuckle damnable nuisance vine yeah, I got opinions about plants too, David. <laughs> All righty. Well, I appreciate right. that. Yeah, pull up the bad stuff and culture the good stuff. You're ahead of the game. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, man. We'll see you soon, David. Thanks for calling. Oh, goodness, here. I'm getting my buttons working on this thing. Karen's at Woodstock. Let's see if I can get number line for her. Here she is. Hey, Karen. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm bright eyed, bushy tailed. I'm here at the Cobb Gallery. How can I help you? I have a Miss Huffy's Lantana that I've had for about three or four years, and I always trim it back each um, winter. But I didn't do that this year, and I it dawned on me I wasn't sure if I really should be trimming it back each year or if I should leave the stems on it like we would our hydrangeas and yeah. would it grow off of those stems. It will not usually grow off of those dead stems. Okay. And so if you talk to anybody who's growing Miss Huff's Lantana, there will be a marked dichotomy, sort of like the Republicans versus the Democrats on health care. Okay. Uh, yeah. There will be those who swear that you cannot do anything except wait until now and cut it back in the spring. And there will be others just on the other side who swear that you have to cut it back in the wintertime, sometime in December when the leaves are first frozen off of it. You get okay. to decide which which of those two factions you want to join. Either one works fine. My mother's, I, she has a Miss Huff's Lantana. I guess that thing was easily five feet tall, Karen. It was about eight feet wide, and I took my trimmers in there. I think it was just before Christmas, I think, and just cut it down, just murdered it, took it down to six inches high. And just last week, I was there looking at it, and all the little sprouts are coming out at the bottom, and they're looking healthy as I'll get. And so that thing will be up to five feet high and eight feet wide again this summertime with just pruning in the winter. Fine. Go. Do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll get out there today because mine's like three feet high and three feet wide. But if it's sprouting, I need to do it now. Yeah, it needs to be about six inches high when you're finished. And okay. because you're my friend, Karen, one more thing. I think that it would be beneficial to fertilize the lantana a little bit more than you might other perennials because you're removing the foliage and the stems and everything every year from it. And I think that's going to show up as a lack of nutrients in the soil. Eventually, you're taking things away and not adding them back particularly. So maybe think a little bit more about a handful more of fertilizer into the lantana than you would in your other parts of your landscape. Okay. All right. So should I spread that out like? 12 inches away from the plant. I'll just scatter it all underneath. The roots are all underneath your plant. So if it's five feet wide, it's five feet wide for the fertilizer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. 
It is my pleasure to be of service to you, Karen. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. We'll see you. 404. By the way, when in Woodstock, I didn't tell Karen to come see me in Woodstock today at Autumn Hill Nursery. I should have told her to do that. Michael, Michael, Michael. Michael's up in uh, North Carolina. Michael, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, I'm planting a weeping cherry tree today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would like to find out the best way to go about this. I've got a compost tumbler with some compost in it, yeah. and but I wanted to find out from you what's, what's the best way to do it. It's a bare root tree. Well... Turns out from research, and I, you know, on the show, I do my best to have research only things that really do prove to be the same every time you, you do it once after, after the other, after the other. And research has never shown much advantage to adding compost that the compost that you make from your compost pile, adding right. it to the soil around that weeping cherry. Right. It just doesn't seem to make the cherries or any other tree much happier than it would be if you took the native soil, loosened it up real good, made a big wide area around it that the roots can penetrate through easily, and uh, plant the bare root in the middle. Make sure the roots are spread out so they're pointing in all directions around the trunk of the tree. And uh, water it in. Don't let it sink down so it's deeper than the surrounding soil. That first little flare root, you can see it so easily on a bare root tree. This is easy. That first uh, sort of major root that's right at the base of the trunk, that, Michael, needs to be right at the soil surface or maybe a smidge below the soil surface. And if you'll do that, the weeping cherry will just be as happy as it can be. There's no real need to put a lot of fertilizer on it the first year, I don't think, either. But it'll grow, it'll establish a good root system during the spring and summer, water it as needed as you see it turn a little dry and maybe it gets wilty during the summertime. Hey, man, you're going to have a good-looking tree. Well, I'm really glad I called because I was going to plant it like, like a foot and a half deep, and, and yeah. uh, I'm glad I called. I have given you more information than most people deserve. You have gotten it there, Michael. And because you're my friend, I will tell you even more about weeping cherries. Because I had this question posed to me by a woman uh, this past week. She said, my weeping cherry has stayed at about uh, six feet tall. She made a motion to her forehead. She said, it's about six feet tall, and the limbs weep off of it just like like I thought they would. But I thought, she said, that weeping cherry got taller. I have seen weeping cherries that were 20 or 30 feet tall. When is mine going to get 20 or 30 feet tall? And I was able to tell her that there are actually two kinds of weeping cherries you can find at nurseries. There is the species weeping cherry that does get 20 or 30 feet tall and the limbs from it are very lax and they hang down and droop and very pretty tree. And then there are the grafted weeping cherries and that's what she had. She has a cherry trunk that is straight and, uh, and up about six feet tall. And somebody several years ago, and when she, before she bought it or moved into her house, grafted some of those weeping limbs to the top of the trunk. So now all the weeping limbs are weeping down at six feet tall. And it'll never get any taller than that because that's what's supposed to happen with a grafted weeping cherry versus a species weeping cherry. So there you go. All right. Well, thank you very much. Wait, 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 wait. Michael, I got more information. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to let you go without making you smart. I want North Carolina to know something. Um, is yours the weeping kind, the, the, the kind that was grafted, or how tall is yours right now, Michael? Uh, well, I just, it just arrived this week. Um, 
according to the advertisement, it's supposed to get about 20, 25 feet tall. Okay, so you got the species then. So you have um, nothing to worry about. You know what to expect. It'll be that high in about five or six years, maybe six or seven, perhaps. But the thing that I wanted to mention for listeners who are thinking about this conversation and they think, oh, I have the grafted kind. Somebody's listening right now, Michael, saying, I have the grafted kind. Is there anything else Walter can say that would help me along? And it's this. Sometimes the lower trunk, the part that got grafted onto, the straight part, the straight cherry that got grafted onto, will have a sprout that will come out and grow through the weeping part and head for the sky. It'll go 10, 12 feet, it seems like, in a season. And they should always be removed because they're simply going to shade out the pretty part, the weeping part, and you just take them back right to where they originate on the trunk underneath all the weeping limbs and uh, throw it away. You don't want that anymore. So there you go. That's all I know, Michael. I've given, I've poured out for you every bit of knowledge I have. Thank you very much. All right. Share it with your neighbors, Michael. It's your responsibility. Once you know the truth, you shall set it free and let other people know what's going on. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We're broadcasting live from the 39th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show. There are lots and lots of vendors here. If you have anything that you need to do at your house or if you want to be comfortable in your house, the mattress people are way down the way here, and I wish they were close enough to the broadcast booth that I could go and test out their wares and see if the mattress people are as soft as they were for the North Atlanta Home Show we did back in a couple of months ago here. And you can test things out. You get discounts. Many times the uh, vendors here will say, I'll give you a 10% show discount. One of the reasons to come to the Cobb Gallery during the day. For more details, go to atlantahomeshow.com. We'll be back after this. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mid-70s for the next couple of days. Overnight lows in the low to mid-50s, 58 degrees outside right now. Some rain on the forecast, 50 to 60% chance of rain overnight tonight. Some rain chances tomorrow. So if you have anything that needs to be done before it rains, get her done this afternoon. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Our friend Kevin had to go because he had a great question. It was, what do you do? What can I plant was his actual question. What can I plant or have in my landscape to have prom pictures taken before, behind, or, or around so the prom pictures come out the best? You know, Kevin, I would go to Pike Nursery and I would just find whatever colorful plant is on sale right now. Foxgloves and uh, some of the uh, other annuals, primroses are probably still there at Pike. I haven't been there for a week, but there's all sorts of colorful, colorful plants at Pike. They're getting them in all the time. And so I would simply go to the local nursery and find what's there, get them in pots. There's no real need to plant them necessarily, but you can get them in pots and get big pots and small pots, hide the bottoms of the pots with the smaller uh, plant material. And you can be like a professional landscaper, look really, really good. And all the kids are going to say, oh, that is so pretty, Kevin. Thank you so much for making it there. But go to your local nursery and find the things there that seem to be the most colorful and put the kids in front of that. we got Tim in Alabama joining us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tim, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. What's up? I'm trying to get rid of some clover in my, on my lawn. Yeah. Hey, and this is in Centipede, is that right, Tim? Yes. How how greened up is the grass right now where you are in Alabama? Uh, well, I really don't know because I work in South Carolina and I'm 
coming home this morning. So. All right. The reason I'm asking, Tim, is because the label is pretty clear on the clover killer weed killers that you cannot apply them during spring green up. And I know that if you're in lower Alabama, then the centipede is getting pretty green right now and greened up pretty well. In north Alabama, around Huntsville, it's not greened up much at all. And so depending on where you are tells me what you can spray on the, on the clover. Is it everywhere or just in little patches somewhere, Tim? It's a big patch right over the field lines. I'm about 25 miles south of the Grange. All right, so you're south, and I would imagine the centipede is greening up pretty well right now. It's not fully green yet, of course. Um, yes. Hey, boy, I, I don't want you to call me back and say, you know, you killed my centipede by <laughs> telling me to spray that weed killer. If you were careful, all right, let's put it this way, Tim. If you were careful and sprayed only on the, centip- on the um, clover there, I could see using the, uh, there's an ortho product called, let's see, Chickweed Clover and Oxalis Killer. That's the name of it. It has a purple label on it. Chickweed Clover Oxalis Killer. Ortho makes it. And if you spray very lightly on the clover without getting much down underneath the, the, the overhang of the leaves, then I think you can get reasonably good control of the clover without hurting the centipede. But do not go out there with one of those hose-in sprayers and spray everything that drenches down into the centipede that's trying to green up because that will be a yellow, yellow centipede lawn come May. Okay. Thank you. All right. So it's the clover oxalis killer from Ortho. I think that's the stuff we're going to use. Thanks for calling that town. Drive safely back to Alabama. Gertrude and Bremen will be with us in the next half hour. She wants to know how to get rid of bulbs to grow herbs. What bulbs does she need to get rid of? What are we going to talk about there? If you go to ask a question in Gertrude's stead, you can call me at 404-872-0750. We'll be back to more.